And we had the most beautiful, fun, joyful weekend. And we were like, Psh, we're not doing any of this work. <laughs> I love that. And it drastically shifted the way we looked at and approached liberation work mm -hmm. from then on. Like we lived and experienced and felt joy, yeah. right? And and that and I think like that is decolonizing mm -hmm. in its essence. Yes. The more I the more I dig into this and and I don't even like to I'm trying to use different language like the more decolonization happens in my life, the more I realize like this is not something you get out of a book. Yes. This isn't something that you get out of a grad class. Yes. Like, yes, you can learn language and theory mm -hmm. and all of those things, but it is the living it. Yes. The experiencing it. The, the, it just like there's something that happens deep in your soul when you have that moment of connection with human beings. Yes. And you feel it and see it and taste it and smell it, right? And isn't that like, the, to me, that is what also really draws me with the power of story. Mm -hmm. Because we're not sitting here talking about the ABCs of yes. anti-racism and decolonization. We're having, I'm having a coffee, <laughs> right? Like we're chatting and just experiencing the space together and that is decolonizing. Yes, exactly. And I love that. Like, I love it. Mm. And that's joy, yes. right? Mm -hmm. And it's funny because nobody can see us, I know. but we can see each other, <laughs> yeah. right? And like, we've just had like the biggest I smiles know. on our face for this entire thing. Yeah. You know, it's like, we've never actually gotten to talk over the phone yeah. or meet or whatever, which is another thing I love. It's just like the spontaneity of the conversations. Mm -hmm. But that just embodies so much of what I'm learning this is, mm -hmm. you know, this experience in life of decolonization and community. Yes. Like, can we talk about community for a minute? Yes. Because, oh, like coming from whiteness and, and understanding that like, oh, we are just the individual responsibility, you know, the nuclear family, all of these things that are just like, we're just hold up in our little space or whatever. And, and don't have any concept of, you know, sisterhood and brotherhood and community and all of these things. And so I love, like, I love, watching people on the inverse space, like when they're new yes. and they're just the awe and wonder <laughs> and the emotion that comes over people. Yeah. Like when I see that, I'm like, this person, this soul is experiencing a liberation right now. Yes. And you can't, you can't bottle that, yes. you know, like mm -hmm. it's such a beautiful thing. So I love just the, the joy, the community. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Absolutely. I think it's so beautiful because, you know, as somebody who has been an immigrant for a very long time, <laughs> um, the internet has always been such a big part of the way that I communicate with my family. Mm. And so Weirdly enough, I've always had, since I can remember, I've always had internet friends, you know, and just through different stages of my life. I actually remember in 2010, I became friends with some of the most wonderful people I've ever met. 
um, because we all like the same soccer team. And um, I still haven't met them. I've only met one, <laughs> you know, and we're still friends. Um, and, you know, like life moves and changes, but we are still in contact. And, um, and so then when suddenly we're all relying on the internet, you know, I remember thinking like, I know this is a little bit different, but it's not that different, you know? <laughs> and even like as an undocumented immigrant, like that's how I've always communicated with my cousins and my grandparents and, you know, my aunts and uncles and for birthdays and everything. And so yeah, it was like very interesting to suddenly, it's almost like the world woke up to the experience of what it means to be an immigrant or an undocumented yeah. immigrant, you know, of suddenly like everybody is just talking to each other on FaceTime, <laughs> you know, and um, wow. and feeling actually even like some of the pain that it brought back because so many people were complaining, you know, about what was going on. And for me being like, this has been my life for <laughs> so long. It's just part of what it is now, you know? And that in itself brought the idea of privilege back, you know? <laughs> and Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, and so it was, like, very interesting um, to suddenly be always on the internet. And it was, like, our only way to stay connected with anyone and everyone. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, and in a way, like, we're experiencing... A couple of different things on one level, like just listening to you talk about that, I'm having a little bit of an aha moment with regard to like why maybe more people are connecting and caring as well. So that is a beautiful thing. And we have this increase and in growing division. Yeah. And, and like, not that we've not been divided, that we've not had problems or any of that, but it's getting more volatile feeling. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. And so it's like this both and. There's this, there's this really interesting and powerful positive thing happening, mm -hmm. while at the same time it's like it's almost feels like it's growing in equal force and opposition. But yeah, but I'd be really interested to uh, move the conversation into talking about your advocacy yeah. um, with immigration and just what that looks like, your story, mm -hmm. and whatever you want to share about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so with immigration, it's something that I, well, <laughs> you know, I think I said earlier um this kind of happened to me, you know? And so as a teenager moving countries and, well, I was 11 when I moved countries, but, you know, like very formative years, um, it was a lot to process. I didn't speak English. I um, was used to a certain kind of, you know, like I went to private Christian schools in Peru um, and then here um, we went to um, public schools, you know, and so that was a complete different shift for me. Um, and then, yeah, so during those those years, like I remember actually, <laughs> oh man, I refused to speak in class because I didn't want to speak English, you know. And so I had straight A's, but I refused to talk 
except when I had to talk, you know? And um, it was a very interesting thing. I remember going to my, going to the office because I wanted to be put into one of the ESL classes because that's where all my friends were, you know? Because I wanted to speak Spanish is what I wanted. And as I happened to walk in, my English teacher also happens to walk in. And she Mm. says, hey, Carla, how's it going? I said, oh, good. And she said, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm requesting to be put in the ESL class. And she looks at me and she gives me like a dirty look, you know, and I'm like 13. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know. (laughs) And she says, no, we're switching your schedule. You're going to honors English. And I was like, that is not what I came here for at all, actually. (laughs) (laughs) You know, (laughs) and so um, and I think it was because I was looking for that sense of community, you know, and um, yeah. yeah. And so, but one of the things that I, that I quickly found out was that even in the Latino, Latinx community, I was different and I didn't know why until obviously recent years when I realized that um, there's a lot of anti-Blackness in the Latinx community. And so because of that and multiple other reasons, I ended up kind of assimilating to white culture. And um, even the high school that I went to, I spent most of my time with, you know, with white people and, you know. So in that process, um, and as I got older, I didn't know how to explain to people why I couldn't drive, why I couldn't get a job, why I couldn't go to the university I wanted to go to, (laughs) you know, like so many things that were supposed to start happening in my life couldn't happen at all. Wow. And so, um, and even like, you know, like healthcare and mental health, all of those things, like the first time I ever had insurance, I was 27 years old, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And so, Yeah. um, yeah, like so many things that, Um, I just couldn't explain to anybody, (laughs) you know, and one of the interesting things about the Spanish speaking church in the United States is that immigration is something that it's talked about all the time because it is Mm -hmm. a very mixed status church. You know, there are people who have been here for a long time, people who just moved here, um, in multiple reasons in between as to why anybody's in this country. And so, in those contexts, I was like free to say whatever I needed to say. But in but outside of that, I never knew how to explain what was happening in my family. Um, I remember being 16 or 17 and both of my parents losing their jobs because of their status and not being able to explain that to anybody. And just saying like, my parents wow. lost their jobs and they were like, oh no, like, well, you know, they'll find one. And me being like, we don't know that, <laughs> you know, right. uh, but I couldn't explain that. And so because it, it was a very much like hiding thing, I was always hiding. Mm-hmm. I always, yeah, it's like a safety measure, you know, because we didn't know yeah. uh, what would happen if we were open about it. And so um, even going into the white evangelical church, 
I remember the first time I told one of my really good friends that I was undocumented and I couldn't even do it in person. I had to send her an email. (laughs) Yeah, because I was so terrified that I would be completely rejected because of that. And it has happened. Mm. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) You know, uh, not by her, but by other people. And Mm. and also... um, even now, you know, we use the word undocumented, but that's not the word that a lot of people use. A lot of people use the word illegal. And so imagine growing up in, in your four very formative years and thinking that your whole identity is illegal, you know? And I wonder, like, I was like, if my status is illegal in this country, as a lot of people say, then is everything else I do illegal, including my relationship with God, you know? And so, mm. um, yeah, so I was very much into hiding. I never wanted to tell people. I always had an excuse. But that in itself is so crushing because when I was having community, I knew that I wasn't being fully known because yeah. uh, like such a big part of my life is through what is happening as being an undocumented immigrant, you know? And so then in 2011, I don't know if you know uh, who Jose Antonio Vargas is. He is an author and an activist. He is um, a Filipino man and he wrote a book, but well, when this happened, he hadn't written the book yet, but he came out as undocumented on national television Mm -hmm. And he was at the time a journalist, I believe, for the Washington Post. And so everybody was like, but how did you do that? How were you able to work there? And, you know, and he was he is a fantastic journalist, you know. And so I remember when this was all happening because we were like, this man just told everybody that he's undocumented. What's going to happen to him? Yeah. And my sister of course. <laughs> my sister is my hero. <laughs> my sister is younger than me. And uh, they saw this, you know, this man saying, I'm undocumented. This is the life that I live. And they decided, oh, if he's doing that, I'm also going to do that. And so they were interviewed by the local newspaper here. And they come out as undocumented to the whole city, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And I remember being like, I mean, if you know even a little bit about immigration, you would assume that if my sister is undocumented, so am I, (laughs) you know? And of course, like we talked it over as a family, like we're, this is a big deal, you know? And from that moment on, I think, It was, you know, I think that's why I always say like, things just happened to me. Like all these things just like happened to me from that moment on. It was like, oh, well, I can just post this article and tell everybody, (laughs) you know? Yeah. (laughs) And, and it was interesting because so many people had so many questions. And at the beginning, I generally could not tell my story without crying my eyes out, you know? Oh, I can imagine it would be such a catharsis. Yes. To finally be free of that mm-hmm. hiding. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and honestly, that is one of the reasons which 
I know what it's like to hide such a big part of your life. And this is something that happened to me, you know? Mm. So I, that is why my heart is always with the LGBTQ community. Because I'm like, this isn't even something that's happening to you. Like, this is just who you are and, you know, why, why? Yeah, you know, like I, I would tell this story. I, I knew that I was going to lose friends. I knew... Well, actually, I did not know that I was going to lose friends. I was very hopeful. (laughs) Right. But you did lose friends. Yes, I did. Um, You know, like I remember being, I can tell you so many stories of people discussing immigration in front of me, not knowing that I am undocumented and using terms like illegal. They shouldn't be here. What are they doing here? Or like, they're just trying to get married to someone so that they can stay in the country. And me being like, hi, I'm undocumented. (laughs) You know, also you all claim to follow Jesus, (laughs) you know? And so, yeah, it was, it was a big journey of, and honestly, it it started because I started telling my story to people. I decided Mm. if you're going to use the word illegal, I'm going to tell you what that means, you know, and it does not mean what you think it means. (laughs) How many undocumented people are in the U.S. at this point? Yes. Do you know? Mm -hmm. So it is estimated that it is 11 million people. However, that Mm. is going off of the census. And a lot of undocumented people don't fill out the census because of fear. Sure. And so um, there are other studies that people think there might be over 20 million people in the U.S. who are undocumented. I would believe it. Yeah. It's such a tricky situation in general because um, for me, for example, in 2012, the Obama administration passed an executive law. You know, President Obama passed this law um, and or an executive order. It's not a law. It's an order. And it's called DACA. And it is for at the time, people who were very young, you know, but now we're like and some of us are in our mid 30s, uh, late 30s, you know. And so uh, it's so interesting because even today people talk about like the undocumented youth, the undocumented youth. And I'm like, I'm going to be 31 soon, you know. <laughs> and so but I'm yeah. like, I mean, I'll receive the youthness. <laughs> right. um, but President Obama passes this executive order and it is for a lot of people who are considered dreamers which dreamers comes from the board uh, or from the dream act, which is, uh, uh, you know, a law that has been, has been through the house and the Senate way too many times. (laughs) But with this order from president Obama, and so about 800,000 people still have this, this program, you know, DACA. And I remember when that happened, (laughs) actually, um, I was in the hospital when President Obama made the executive order and yeah. I had a million visitors. And that day I happened to just be sitting with my parents and my sister and somebody posted something on social media that was like, it's a good day to be a Latino. And I'm like, I don't know what this means, you know, but I knew it was about immigration. So I said, turn the TV and I'm like, I think either 
I was just gonna have surgery or something. So I wasn't like, you know, fully aware. And my parents were like, what's going on? And I'm like, I need you to turn the TV. And we see this happening right in front of us, you know? Mm-hmm. And suddenly we're all crying <laughs> because we knew, we knew that moment was gonna change. Not my parents' lives, but my sister and mine. And so mm-hmm. uh, from that moment on, like I have a permit to work. Um, my, li- my life looks a little bit more like what everybody else's life is supposed to look like. But there is even saying that, you know, like what is normal and what is not. And, and that also played a role in my mom moving to Peru because we were like, oh, well, we have DACA so we can apply to leave the country to see my mom. But then, of okay. course, Trump was elected. And we mm-hmm. knew that that was one of the first things that he was going to take down. And so on September 5th of 2017, Jeff Sessions went on national television and announced the end mm-hmm. of DACA. And I was at work. <laughs> I um, We happened to have televisions. And so... <laughs> I remember sitting in front of the TV with my laptop and not even having the volume on, just reading the captions and thinking, this is it. I know what he's going to say. And automatically, I just like lose it. I don't know what's going to happen the next day. I don't know what's going to happen the day after that, (laughs) you know? Um, And it's like the tension of, I know that I can leave the country, you know, at any time. I can leave the country today, you know. But I would be leaving behind a lot of people that I consider to be my family. Because I don't have a lot of relatives where I live, but I have a big family here, (laughs) you know. And so I'm always sitting in that tension of saying, I know truly that I'm staying here because of the love that I've encountered here, you know? And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think in those moments, I realized like, I have to speak up for for people who can't just be out in the open about their undocumented status, you know? And not just Mm -hmm. for undocumented immigrants, but also for refugees, for the people that are in the Southern border right now, you know? How can I, as a Jesus follower, just turn my back and pretend it's not happening, you know? Um, It's just not, I don't believe that's the heart of Jesus, you know? Like, the heart of Jesus would never do that. (laughs) Um, And even in his story, you know, like, his parents having to flee to save his life. And that's what I've always said about my parents is... I've know I know someone who gave up their lives so that my sister and I could live. And that sounds really mm. familiar to me. <laughs> you know? And so yeah. yeah, like after that, it's just been any chance that I get, I it's really easy to just like show up to the protest and show up to an event. But I think it's the continuous work, you know, and that's why I believe so much in storytelling. Um, not because I want to show the trauma of what is happening because I do believe that our culture is obsessed to trauma, (laughs) you know, and like 
Um, it's like, oh, this is traumatizing, so we need to pay attention to this. Um, it's like, no, I want people to tell their stories because they have been hiding for so long. And to hide such a big part of your experience, it's, you know, it's heartbreaking. It A lot of people don't talk about the mental health of undocumented immigrants, of refugees, but there is a lot going on. And especially undocumented immigrants, um, because with um, refugees, it's a little bit different because if their application gets accepted, then they they receive their work permit, you know? Mm-hmm. But with undocumented immigrants, not only is mental health a big problem in our communities, it's also very inaccessible in our communities because sure. where are we going to get, you know, all this money for therapy while we're also trying to survive, while we're also trying to provide for our families back home, you know? And so, yeah, there are so many layers to the immigration story Mm. that I would love to see the story be being told in a holistic way, Mm -hmm. you know, and not just whether what is our legality and what is not our legality, you know? Well, and story takes us out of the binary that we get trapped in so often, right? And so I love the way that you talk about story as being liberating when you can just stand in your truth and, and speak your truth. Also, I really love how storytelling it like it awakens us to the shared humanity that we have as people. You know, because if I can see you as a human being who I can relate to and and just like see my own story and what a powerful thing that is to strip away the dehumanizing rhetoric that is just blasted over a loudspeaker, Mm -hmm. you know, about immigration. Yeah. And so yes to these holistic stories and storytelling in this um and and it was like you're the first person who i've met who leads with i'm an undocumented immigrant and and i realize like in that like is that okay to say yeah <laughs> right like i'm a little nervous is this safe for you are you going to be safe podcasting about this you know and like mm-hmm. concerned about that and and to hear you talk about just the dehumanization that you experienced for so long living in this fear. I so appreciate that and the power in that. Um, Where are things at right now in terms of like this administration and how can people, because this is going to require movement. This is going to require people knowing like, how do I help? What do I do? Where do I go to support? You know, like what, yeah. So what what is going on with the Biden administration? Yeah. So with DACA at this mm-hmm. point. And, yeah. So it's interesting with the Biden administration because and this is why I always say like empire is not here to save us <laughs> because one of the things that happened and this goes back to the Obama administration is that while Obama created the DACA executive order, Obama is also known as a deporter-in-chief in the immigrant community. Yep. And so mm-hmm. even now, as we speak, the Biden administration has already deported thousands, thousands of immigrants. Mm-hmm. And also in that context, in general, 
Black immigrants get deported at a 40% higher rate than non-Black immigrants. And so that's already happening with the Biden administration in place. There are detention centers that are being opened and that should not be happening. We should be closing them, if anything. People are still separated at the border. And also at the same time, last week, there was a bill that was uh, placed in the House of Representatives, and it would be a pathway to citizenship because that's another misconception about immigration is that there is a pathway to citizenship. Like, why don't you just go and do it, you know? And there isn't um, (laughs) at all. And not when you're in the country. Yes. Like you have to leave. And then once Mm -hmm. you leave, you can't come back for 10 years. Yes. And it's interesting because when I engage these conversations with people who are really on the political right and I explain it to them, they're like, oh, okay, then DACA is good. Then this is good. But it's it's just even engaging the conversations and educating people about this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so even now, you know, that's going through hopefully (laughs) you know we'll go through um the house and hopefully the senate but even that in itself is very complicated you know because it will take a long time so that's kind of what's happening there is still you know a lot of the anti-immigrant uh sentiment is still very real and so absolutely yeah there is you know that tension of we know that this administration is not as hateful in worn, but the actions are still hurting our communities. Well, and this is the challenge. You have people who think that now we just have a, a different party face on. And so we can just chill out and relax and we don't have to talk about kids in cages and detention centers and all of these things. But it's like, this is the problem. And this is why... Yes. When people were, I mean, I remember back when people were fighting against George W. Mm -hmm. because of, or is it W? Yeah, W was the second one, right? Yes. (laughs) I'm like, H.W., I'm not sure. But, you know, like when people were speaking out against him on this anti-war stance, which I was all about at this point, right? And then Obama comes into office and the the unmanned drone strikes that happened under his administration, Mm -hmm. the deportations that happened under his administration and the way that people just stopped engaging. And I'm like, okay, guys, here we are. We still have people being bombed. We still have, you know, like we've got some problematic Mm -hmm. stuff. Where are all my anti-war people? Mm -hmm. But but this is the thing. And this is the concern with like, okay, yeah. So Biden's in. Mm -hmm. Harris is in. Don't you all go sit on your butts and act like and think and fool yourselves into thinking that like everything's okay now because it's not going to be. And it's going to require movement and activism and conversations and and conversations within your families and your communities and, you know, getting involved with grassroots organizations Mm -hmm. that are on the ground, funding them, supporting them, right? Like uplifting the people who are experts on this who can speak to this i get a little fired up about movement can you tell i love it i love it that's what we need that's what we need get me going so are you into enneagram at all so i'm an eight i love it does this surprise you (laughs) 
the more I learn about eight, the more I have like uh, mercy and grace for myself. Cause you know, I've always been like, why am I like this? <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm like, okay, the world needs some eights. I yes. have to let go of my control issues, but let's get to work. You know, like, yes. yeah. Anyway. Absolutely. I'm sorry. I digress no, I or got it. sidetracked or squirrel, <laughs> whatever, you know, I wanted to hear more though. Did you have more that you wanted to share on the immigration side of the conversation? Um, I don't think so. I went off on a, you know, tangent there. <laughs> right. no, it was a good thing. <laughs> so how can people get involved? Yeah, absolutely. One of the um, organizations that I love the most is called Raices. It's in Texas, and they do a lot of work with uh, people at the border. And um, especially even through the last, you know, few years, they really have been very consistent. It's a, you know, definitely on the ground organization. So they are one of my favorite organizations to support. Another organization that does a lot of organizing work, it's called Mi Gente. And um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of them, but um, yep. yeah, so they are very good at pushing for um, like they were a big part of the grassroots organization happening in Atlanta, in Georgia um, during the last election, you know? Yeah, they are very honest in the work that they do because they are just very much like, we need you to care for people. <laughs> That's like, that's what it comes down to, you know, we need to care for people. And so I really appreciate the work that they do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have like been on like calls with them before. And I honestly, um, my sister is very connected to them, but I honestly jump in just to keep learning and to support their work, you know, yeah. because I'm like, what is the, you know, it's not that it's not like, I know that I could start an organization or something, but I'm like, but I know they are doing the work. So I'm well, going to exactly. support them. Yeah. You know? Why reinvent the yep. wheel, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then on books, um, one of my, and I mentioned, you know, Jose Antonio Vargas, he wrote a book called Dear America, Notes of an Undocumented Citizen. And I, I so appreciate, that. I know, that's yes. what I was going to say, even like the, the title, you know, of documented citizen, how that changes the narrative, you know? And um, I love it because it's very, you know, like we get his story and then at the same time, we get a lot of information about immigration. Mm -hmm. And then a book that is more, I would say this book is a little bit more towards uh, Christian view. Um, And I would say it's probably even a little bit more conservative, but still so loving. It's called Love Undocumented mm-hmm. by Sarah Quesada. And mm-hmm. the tagline for it is risking trust in a fearful world. And it's actually a story of how she met her husband and her husband was undocumented and what oh, that wow. meant for their story. Mm-hmm. And so I really, I love that story just because I always struggle with what does it mean for me to date as an undocumented person? Because sure. while I'm very open about it when it comes to like advocating and activism in, you know, in that context, it's like, hi, do I go on a first day and say like, hi, I'm an undocumented immigrant, <laughs> you right. know? And so... I just, I really love, and she tells a story and she also teaches about immigration. 
And then just even like social media, Undaku Black is an account that I really appreciate because of the intersection between Black people and immigration. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I would really recommend them. Sometimes they do events, you know, virtual events, but they also um, have a lot of information about immigration. That's awesome. Is there anything else that you want to talk about? Because clearly I'm probably doing a two-part podcast on this because, you know, it's been so good and so long. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's 8.39. (laughs) Hour and 40 minutes. (gasps) What? (laughs) I cannot wait to meet you This is how this goes sometimes. I know. Well, that was the thing I was thinking about too, was like with your parents and coffee and like, oh, remember those days and going to the cafe and and sitting and talking to people. And when you were talking about that, I was just like, oh, but what a beautiful thing that like, I have my coffee and it's not Mm -hmm. the same, but it's pretty good still to be able to do this. I'm like, I get to podcast with just beautiful people and like, wow, how lucky yeah, am I? You I know, love I love it. <laughs> yeah. So where can people follow you and support your work? Like, do you have a Patreon? Do you have a community that you're building? What What can we do to follow and support your work? Yeah. So right now I'm mostly on Instagram um, at Dear Carla. I also have a website where sometimes I write different thoughts. <laughs> It's dearcarla.com. But yeah, that's pretty much where you can find me. I love it. Well, thank you so much. 